If you would give me a moment to pray. Lord God, I ask that you accompany us on this journey. Fill my mouth with your words and our hearts with your understanding. For your glory and for our benefit, in Jesus' name, amen. amen. Please be seated. Well, some of you might see a familiar face up here. My name is David Hudspeth. I actually uh, used to be a member of this church. My family, Elizabeth and Jonah and Aaron, are seated in the fourth row back here on the end, uh, along with a friend, Sam, who has accompanied us today. And we are now members of St. Timothy's Anglican Church, your sister church, because we live in Cane Bay, and it just made sense to go over there and help Gary out. Um, I do serve with Gary when he needs and preach there and serve as minister of pastoral care as needed. But my full-time job is as a chaplain for Mount Pleasant Hospital with Roper St. Francis Healthcare. I'll also be assigned to serve the new Berkeley Hospital that's being built at Carnes Crossroads. So if you find yourself in unfortunate circumstances or a loved one there at the hospital, please don't hesitate to uh, let me know so that I can come and visit and pray with you. Well, today I have been invited by Father Tripp and uh, Father John to bring the message. So we're going to look at Matthew chapter 13, the gospel today. But before I begin, I just wanted to uh, recount a little bit, because I think you get to know people more about the relationship that you have with them than you do simply hearing um, words come out of their mouths. So the, real, the reality of our family is, is we've been through a lot of loss lately. We have um, a niece who, was, who we were very close to, moved away, moved back to Texas to be near her mom. Um, my wife's dad passed away October the 31st of last year. My mom passed away March the 18th of last year. Um, there's other things that seem to be on the horizon, and as you experience loss, and you probably are familiar with this as well, it, it leaves a hole in you that you just, sometimes you can't fill up. You cannot replace somebody who you loved with someone else. It doesn't work that way. So there's an emptiness there that you wish you could have that relationship back, or you wish you could spend more time with that person if I had to give a title to this sermon, it would be called It's About Time, and that's based on a movie that we watched last night, actually, that really brought it home to me, along with my son, who I'll tell you about later. But we were watching this movie about time, about this gentleman who has the ability to go back in time. He can only go back uh, under certain conditions and for a certain distance or length of time, but basically he would go back in time and, and either correct things in relationships that went wrong or spend time with people that he wished he could spend more time with. And I got to thinking about that. It actually hit me this morning. Man, I wish I had that ability to go back in time and spend more time with my mom. I miss that. Wished I was that guy. But then I realized... Similar in that movie, obviously I can't do what he can do, but I can go back here. In my imagination, I can go back in time. And one of the favorite times that I can go back to with my mom is a time when she taught me how to plant a garden. Um, we lived in Bossier City, I'm sorry, we meaning my first wife, and that was in a different life. <laughs> Not quite the life that God had intended for me, but in a different life. I lived in Bossier City, Louisiana. My mom came to visit and spent the summer with me, and we planted a garden. And she taught me how to till up the soil so that it would be soft and, and able to take seed, to remove the rocks and all the debris, to pull the weeds and the thorns and anything out of the way that would choke the plants. And I loved that time that I spent with my mom. 
I think the land can call to us too sometimes. Memories call to us. And there's memories in the land. And when Jesus speaks to the crowd, they know the importance of the land. And they can see a significance of what it means to till soil and remove rocks and pull weeds so that things can grow. And Jesus talks to the crowd in this parable about the land. And so he tells them, first of all, to look. That's not in the ESV translation, but in verse 3, when he says a sower goes out to sow, he actually says, look, an exclamation. Now, what, what happens when you're doing that? When someone says to you, look, you're like, oh, wait, I need to pay attention to this. They're trying to get your attention. They're trying to tell you this is something important you need to understand and to listen to. And so Jesus is calling for their attention. And he tells them about a sower who goes out with some seeds and throws it on different kinds of soil. Now Luke literally tells us in his version of the parable, in chapter 8 of Luke, that the seed is the word of God. So we don't have to think about that. So we know that the seed represents the word of God. Therefore, the sower must be Jesus. So Jesus goes out and he spreads the word. He's throwing the seed out onto different kinds of soil. He sows the seed out onto the hardened path. Well, the path has been stomped down and pressed down, and the seed will not take root because the path is too hard. And so the birds come along and eat it up and take it away. He also throws seed into the rocky soil. Well, the soil amongst the rocks is shallow, so the roots don't take depth. And when the sun comes out, the plant is scorched and withers and dies. He sows seed amongst the thorns and amongst the weeds. But the weeds grow up and choke out the good plant. And then finally, he also throws seed in the fertile soil. And there, deep roots and the fertility of the soil and the seeds take root and there's change that happens. And he ends by saying that this is going to produce something that can be a hundred, sixty, or thirty-fold increase in the yield of the crop. So if you have ears, then hear. Now, I was telling the earlier church service that I used to have a problem with this parable. I did not like preaching on this parable because the parable seemed to me too simplified. I mean, Jesus literally tells you what the parable means here in another few verses. So I thought, well, what's the point of me preaching this parable? I really didn't care for it much either when I was a new Christian. I thought, well, Jesus, what are you doing? You're, you're throwing the seed down in places that it's not going to take root and it's not going to grow. Shouldn't you go out there and till up the soil and remove the rocks and pull the weeds? Do you see what I was doing? I was putting all the emphasis on Jesus in a negative way. Jesus, it's your responsibility. It's all you. I don't bear any responsibility. And that's my misunderstanding of the parable. But the key to the parable actually lies in the intervening passage that we didn't read today. Now, we don't have time to read that. I don't want to uh, take up our time with that part. But Jesus says in between this passage and the next where the, we hear the explanation of the parable... The disciples ask him, why are you preaching to these people in parables? And he basically says, I'm really not preaching to them, I'm preaching to you. You see, I preach to everyone. Everyone gets the word, but the people in the crowd 
their hearts have become calloused and dull. They have intentionally closed their eyes so they can't see. They have intentionally plugged up their ears so they can't hear. But yet they get the word anyway. So he's saying the responsibility is not going to be left undone by God. God is going to present the word. But you have to want to hear it and you have to want to understand it to get the message. So then he goes into the explanation of the parable. He tells them, you are blessed to be able to see, to pay attention to, to hear, to understand this message. And he says, hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, well, that's the evil one who has come and snatched it away. So the hardened path with the seeds thrown down is like birds coming and snatching it away before it even has a chance to grow. I was trying to think about some kind of imagery for this, and I thought about a time when I was a new Christian in 1998. I went to Promise Keepers in Columbia. You guys remember that? Promise Keepers was a men's conference. There was a lot of radical change in some guys through Promise Keepers. And, by the way, they're reinitiating that uh, conference. So thousands of guys would crowd into a stadium, and, and person after person would preach the Word of God in powerful ways. People like Tony Evans would be preaching the Word of God. People that you would know and hear on the radio. Powerful messages. But you know what else would happen at Promise Keepers conferences? Any place there was a Promise Keepers, Keepers conference, the hotel made a killing off the rental of adult movies. Now what does that tell you? There's thousands of guys going into a stadium, hearing the Word of God, and yet it just bounces right off of them because then they go and do exactly the opposite of what they just heard. They didn't want to be changed. They didn't hear in a way of understanding. But the message was delivered and they were there to hear it. And then he says the other kind of soul, this rocky ground, well, that's the kind of message when the gospel goes into a person's heart and they change with joy. And yet later they fall away because someone else has put some persecution and pressure on them. We used to take the kids, when I was a pastor up in Michigan, we would take the kids every year on a, pro, on a conference called Mission, or a, a mission field called Mission Serve. So it was a youth mission. And those kids, they would be super excited every evening about the worship and the message they heard. And they would be on fire when we got back. A few weeks and a few months later, it was like nothing had changed. Why? Because they got back into the world and their friends would put pressure on them and make fun of them. And they didn't want to stand up for their faith. So they started pulling back away. The joy was killed by the persecution. The third kind of soil, the thorny patch. You know what it's like to be out in your garden and the weeds are growing faster than the grass and choking it out? That's so annoying. <laughs> and Jesus says, that's the word of God going into a person's heart. But then something happens, the pressures of the world, or maybe it's even something positive like wealth, distracts them. So I went through this season last year of loss, and so has my wife, my whole family. I'm not the only one. But what I found happening is my relationship with God started dwindling. Why? 
because I was so wrapped up in my loss, so wrapped up in all of the things going on in the world, things like immigration or abortion or whatever it is, whatever political thing at the time, I got so wrapped up in all of those things, all my mental energy went to that. And my relationship with God started to falter. Sometimes it's positive things. Sometimes it's riches of the world. And you start depending upon that. You start depending upon your own income to satisfy you. And Jesus says, when that happens, you're going to get choked out. But then there's that last place. There's that place where you want to hear the word of God and you want to be changed. So yesterday, I'm struggling with this sermon, trying to put it all together in my mind, trying to make sense of it, because to be honest with you, I don't know that I truly got it until my 11-year-old son, Jonah, walked in the room. Saw me lying on the bed with my eyes closed. Dad, you trying to take a nap? No. I'm actually meditating on the Word of God, trying to get it. So he asked me what I'm reading, and I tell him the first part. I tell him the parable of the sower. I don't tell him the explanation. I just tell him the parable. He says, Dad, you know what that sounds like to me? It sounds like building a relationship. I'm like, well, yeah, that's exactly what it is, Jonah. You need to come up here and preach the sermon. I mean, that's what Jesus is trying to tell us. Jesus is saying, I'm going to reach out to everybody. I am going to preach the message. I'm going to bring the good news. I'm going to offer the relationship to everyone. And oh, by the way, did you even realize this? These are people who are proactively listening to the Word of God. These aren't atheists. These are people who are spending time hearing the Word of God. These are people in the church. I'm going to give the message to everyone. I'm going to reach out in relationship to everyone, Jesus says. But if you want the relationship, then you're going to have to spend time in the relationship. It's about time. That's all it's about. I'm not going to offer you some kind of magic formula to say if you do A, B, and C, you're going to have a great relationship with God. Because Jesus doesn't say that. Jesus says, just pay attention. Just listen to me. Just hear what I have to say. In any relationship, people out there, is anybody in this room involved in a relationship? Everybody in this room is involved in a relationship. Every person in this room has a loved one, a friend, family member. You are constantly in relationships. And what does the other person want in the relationship? They just want you to spend time listening to them. That's all. That's what it's about. Jesus says... If you do this, you're going to bear fruit. The relationship is going to bear fruit. It will grow 30, 60, or 100 fold. You never know. The increase is up to God. But if you want the increase, then you have to spend time with Jesus. So one commentary said, you know, the best definition, the best I don't know if definition is the right word. <laughs> Explanation of the true heart of Jesus' message here is actually Psalm 1. So I want to close today by reading Psalm 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. 
On his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does he prospers, the wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. You want a relationship with God? You want to be able to handle all the drama in the world today? Don't focus on the politics. Don't focus on all the mess. Focus on spending time with God. He will answer all the rest. Amen.